welcome to our podcast. We are Legalese, a podcast bringing you truth, power, and awareness. I'm your host, Toria. And I'm Mel Murray. And today we got we got a lot to tell you guys about. So we're going to start off with the hot topics. Um, so as you may know, as you may know, there was a gas shortage earlier this week. So apparently... This week, there was a hack on the gas pipeline and specifically along the coast, and it caused many citizens to be without fuels for their car. Um, the company which operates the main gas artery is along the East Coast, and it shut down on Friday. So in order to contain the ransomware discovered on his computer systems, you know, the gas is basically out for that amount of time. So the FBI blamed the attack on a group called Dark Scott. Dark Scott? Yeah. Dark They're Side. Russian. <laughs> a Russian group. Yeah. Um, apparently, Colonial isn't planning to pay the ransom, according to the Washington Post, and is working with a cybersecurity firm to restore the data. So reactions to this, like, I know I saw a lot of Twitter posts. <sighs> It's basically bringing me back to last year when COVID first happened and everyone was stocking up on toiletries and basically acting like it was apocalypse amongst us. Um, so I saw a lot of posts of people hoarding gas, putting it in bags, putting them in bins. So what do you- And their cars lighting up in fire. That and too. That's what, and that's what they deserve, because that's stupid. Hazardous. How do you not think that Nothing's gonna happen to you. You don't think like your car is gonna go over overheat or something. Like it's hot. Like it's in your trunk or something. Like what? What do you think? You don't think you have anything flammable in your car, like perfume or like a spray or something? Like what? They literally think? tell people to turn off their cars when they're pumping their gas and for like, that exact reason. I just don't understand it, but they the, get what they get. The photos I saw was funny. I was like, wait, not our education system failing. People are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> People are stupid in the shows. <laughs> so it sparked the conversation that um, whenever we're in crisis, our citizens like to hoard instead of disperse or help others. Mm -hmm. So it sparked that conversation. And then it also sparked a conversation about public transportation and how I guess there isn't enough money in that sector. So you see a lot of people with their own cars now or the economy and basically our car, our carbon footprint mm -hmm. when it comes to cars and gas. So what do you think about the public transportation part of it? Do you think there are too many cars now on the road or do you just think we can efficiently make cars that don't pollute our airs and stuff I, like that? I think it could be both, right? Like I, I just see people saying, well, thank God I have a Tesla because they could just put it in the wall or whatever. And plug it up, yeah. <clears throat> But I think that we have public transportation needs to be accessible, right? And affordable <laughs> and um, something that can last for a certain period of time, right? If it's only open, you know, nine to five, well, pe people get off of work. People have to go grocery shopping. People have to do, there's other things that people have to do in their day-to-day -day lives that if there's a time limit on it, that can be, uh, hindering to them and their the things that they need to do yes. on their everyday life. So that's Hi. my thing, but I think it should be more accessible and shouldn't be stigmatized and judged. 
Yeah, everyone needs sometimes you're gonna need to run a bus. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and sometimes they're just just to lessen the carbon footprint, there shouldn't be so much, you know, air out well, yeah. you know. And different modes and, stuff. and different yeah. modes of transportation. Like I know so like Charlotte, they have like scooters. Like, you know, some people have like oh, bikes, yeah. like bike racks. Like that can be a thing. <laughs> um, that can be a thing I that just, yeah, <laughs> that we can look in into. Because, yeah, I, I think electric cars are coming into, you know, play and people see them as like, oh, I'm still going to use my gas car. I'm going to use my electric car. But I can see us using both just, to, you know, help out in that mm -hmm. sector. So that was that. And then, OK, so unemployment due to COVID. So this basically, again, sparked a little conversation on Twitter. Um, so a lot of businesses recently have been posting signs saying that they're short staffed. Mm -hmm. So basically be patient with them and saying that their employees aren't showing up to work because they're either getting an employment or they're just not wanting to come to work. So basically this spread conversation about wages, unemployment, and then how the employees are being treated on the job, whether it's in the food industry, whether it's in the cleaning industry, like, marketing industry like how employees are being treated and why they don't want to show up i know you or, and i have completely different views on this yes and I, so i'll <laughs> let you go first oh okay based on the unemployment thing i just feel like the people that have been working nine to five and having more than one job they're realizing that employment is i guess how you say is aiding them more than their jobs itself. So they're realizing that, oh, if I can just get unemployment, then why do this and like stress, be on my feet for eight hours, mm -hmm. get a 20 minute lunch break, like stuff like that. When as humans, we're not meant to like, just stand up for 10 hours and be on alert and, you know, have this smile and, you know, have good customer service as they say all the time. So I agree with that sector of it. I also agree that jobs should be treating their employees as if they were like family members or whatnot. Cause you never know what someone's going through and they're literally giving you their time and their effort and you're just, you know, giving them money. What if money wasn't, what if monetary gain wasn't, you know, a thing and they just wanted to work to work? You know, so I feel like <laughs> you just should be treating your employees good no matter what. So I, I kind of understand why they're feeling that way toward. <laughs> I don't know. I understand. I understand why they feel that way. So, yeah. What What do you think? What do you think? I know you're full. You're full. I 180, completely so. disagree. So. Well, not completely disagree. Like, it, I feel like there's two conversations that are happening. One conversation is. Uh, wages and uh, livable wages and pay. That is another, that is one conversation that we can have. And I do believe that we should be paying people wages that are not $7 and 25 cents. Right. That's disrespectful to me. And especially, it doesn't even matter if a person has a degree or not. That just isn't livable. Like when rent is like $1,000, $7.25 doesn't pay rent. And it doesn't matter how hard you work or whatever, that doesn't pay rent. So that's one conversation. And I agree, pay people more. What I don't agree with is someone 
sitting at home trying to collect the check. Unemployment isn't a lifestyle. It's a transition period. And I think a lot of people assume that or have this belief that the government needs to take care of me. I'm a citizen. And yes, I agree. But that's not what our government does. In the U.S., the government does not take care of their citizens, as we see and we'll see in our in the policies that are happening. So if the government's not going to take care of you, you need to take care of yourself. Because currently in what South Dakota and I want to say some other states, they're stopping unemployment. So that $300, $400, whatever, how much money you're getting per week that you thought you could set your, sit home and do nothing, it's going to stop. That rent you're not paying that they're holding up on, it's going to stop. That Those bills and those loans that you, you're, that you need to pay and you're not paying because of COVID, they're going to stop. And that when that stops, you need to have a way to take care of yourself or you're going to be homeless and on the street. And so, that's that. And so you got, you have to make a decision. If your government's not going to take care of you, you need to have a job in place. If the, It doesn't matter if you like it or not. You have bills to pay. And unless you want to be on the street and homeless, you better work. That and, and that's, working with jobs to negotiate what you can. Yeah. And will, you know. Exactly. And you can look for multiple jobs that have, you know, more income. That's fine. But... Just assuming that you can sit at home collecting $300 or $400 or whatever and then be like, oh, well, I'm a citizen. The government's going to take care of me. That's not that's unrealistic. I think that's, that's the conversation with like benefits for, how you say, the lower income. Yeah, that's fine. The lower class if they are collecting benefits. I've heard that conversation before. Like I've heard that yeah. sentiment before when it comes to that. So I feel like now that people are still out of jobs they're needing support no. because people are not, not businesses not all of the businesses have opened up yet people are not out of jobs because they don't people aren't what is it you say they're not out of jobs people there are jobs available they just don't want to work them and like i said unemployment is going to stop it's going to stop for people there the governors and are literally telling the federal government we are not taking your money so what do the people need to do you need to work you need to find a job or you're going to be homeless. Like, and that, and that it is what it is. It sounds harsh, but that's the fact. It's true. Yeah. So. But yeah, I do think companies need to pay more and pay their, you know, people good wages and health insurance and all that stuff. Mm. But expecting them to take care of you, child, they're not going to do that. Yeah. They don't care about you. So take care of yourself. <laughs> you already here, folks. <laughs> so that was the conversation on unemployment. Um. I guess taking a little shift into more music, pop culture yeah. type. <laughs> so a lot of you may or may not know Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's yeah. uh, daughter, Willow. She's releasing rock music. And so there was a little discussion around that and her, I guess, breaking into the rock industry, even though a lot of people of color have been making rock music for a while. Forever. Yeah, <laughs> so I heard the song. I don't know if you heard the song. I, I can't remember the name of it, but I heard the song and I like it. I heard so. snippets of it. Snippets of it. Rock isn't really my thing, but oh, okay. I like Willow. I like her vibes. I like that. Yeah, Their kids really, are doing great. They're really, really great artists. Did really. you hear Jaden? He's opening a food truck. 24 hour. Yes. I love it. For the homeless. I love it. They, they're doing God's work. They're yes, doing, they are. <laughs> they're doing nice things yeah. for the economy. So, yeah. Um, also, it is graduation season, so congratulations to all the graduates out there. 
And for those who are still in school, keep it up. Y'all are almost there. <laughs> almost there. So, yes, congratulations to you guys. Um, is there anything you wanted to mention? Or do you want to do, like, a joint conversation on the Israel and Palestine conflict? Uh, there's something I... Because um, there's been a I lot just, that's been going on. In the I news. just don't like how people are defending Israel as if they don't cause issues. And that I'm allude at that. So, if you guys <laughs> didn't know a little bit more into detail about the conflict, so a new front opened in the military showdown between Israel, the Israel army and the Palestinian militants in Gaza on Wednesday as a wave of mob violence between the Jews or Jewish and Arabian people spread across several cities. So it led to riots, attacks on the streets, rockets and missiles being launched across the sky, basically a lot of civilians dying as well. And Israel said it assassinated 10 senior militants mm -hmm. and continued to pound both the military and residential areas across the Gaza Strip with airstrikes. Um, while Hamas, I'm assuming that's the name, the Islamist, the Islamist group that rules Gaza and its allies continued to fire rockets into civilian areas across um, the central and southern Israel. So more than a thousand rockets have been fired from Gaza from West, by, by Wednesday night, and most of them intercepted by an anti-missile defense system. And the Israel military said the fighting showed no signs of letting up. So this seems like it's going to be an ongoing thing, as you guys may have heard of it. It's not going to stop. It's like they're at a civil war, if that makes any yeah. sense. Some, somewhat of a civil war. Um, let's see. One of the most chilling incidents was in Batyam, a seaside suburb south of Tel Aviv where dozens of Jewish extremists took turns beating and kicking a man presumed to be an Arab. And even as his body laid motionless on the ground, a video of the attack was broadcast on Israeli television. So they're basically using like these fear tactics as well as, you know, just maliciously oh, yeah. doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Um, uh, former President Trump sidelined the Palestinian conflict and persuaded four uh, Arabian governments to normalize relations with Israel, shattering decades of Arabian consensus that resolve the Palestinian conflict and ending the occupation that had to come first. So like I said, the conflict is ongoing and updates are still continuing. I hope I guess, I, I, what can you say in that instance that? They're two sides of the same coin. They're just fighting each other. Literally, the history of it was like two brothers like fighting each other. So here we are again. And they're still Centuries fighting. later, fighting each other. Because <laughs> I remember I was telling one of our friends earlier that when this, I was in middle, I was in, I was younger when I first heard like free Palestine and all that. And mm -hmm. I was like, wait, why is this still happening today? Like why hasn't the conflict not resolved itself, but why is it still going on or ongoing? So I hope it's not for xenoph xenophobic reasons. I hope, yeah. you know, they can find a solution to this problem. But yeah, that's, that's what's happening in the world today. <laughs> As you know, 
every time we come on, there's like a new hot topic, a of new, course. some new messed up crap <laughs> that's okay. going on. What's next? So the, the, those are all the hot topics that I had. Oh, so. Okay. Let's see. Um, Caitlyn Jenner is going to try to run for a California governor. Yes. Um, California. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Um, I, I'm tired of celebrities being put into these positions. I agree. And I just don't think she has the range. The representation. I, yeah, I just don't think she has the range, right? Like, what does she know about homelessness? Homelessness. What does she know about like, you know, families and education? Like, what does she know? Like, I don't, I don't know what she would want. Like, her lifestyle has always been in the lens lens of rich white men, right? That was her upbringing. That was her point of view. That was, that was everything that they know, and that's and they still do it to this day. I mean, she went on an interview saying oh, my friend is leaving California because of homeless people instead of all you millionaires living on the same street saying, hey, why don't we actually help, you know, help our community so we don't have to see people suffering. You have the money. They have this elitist mindset. Yeah, and it's like, you you don't have the range to have these topics. You don't even have the heart to have these topics. What is actually California for you? Is it for a place for like rich people? Like, is it a place where, like, people can, like, have their dreams? Like, what, I don't get her point of view. I don't, I don't get it. I don't agree with it. And I hope she doesn't win. I don't, I don't, yeah. We'll see what happens. I don't think. Yeah, I feel like there's so much going on in California. Um, whether it's with the homeless, homeless population, that's in LA. Or San Francisco with the drug population, you know, the addicts there. Like, I just don't think she has that. Uh, ability to help. Yeah. To help. Um, and like you said, okay, uh, what is it? Liz, Lindsay Cheney, they like kicked her out of the Republican thing. Like I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a group. Like they removed her because mm-hmm. she um, was speaking about, speaking against Trump basically. And you know, all the other people in that party and GOP are like sycophants. And it doesn't make sense why they literally worship Trump's, you know, ground he walks on. But she's like, no, like he is not president. He did not win the election and he is not a good human being. Why do you not see this? And the other people are just being brainwashed. So that's that. (sighs) Any thoughts? I just, I heard about that as well. I never understood the whole, you know, worshiping. He makes sense. someone that's supposed to not serve the country. Yes, serve the country. Yes, that as well. But he's never been a servant. He's always been a taker and a liar, and it shows. And the people around him, it shows. As to, uh, on the topic of liar and people that align with themselves with him, the founder of Students for Trump claimed to be a, this lawyer named Eric Pope mm-hmm. from a Manhattan-based firm, Pope and Dunn. Grant. This guy is like literally like a young adult. Like he's in his twenties, right? He lied and he said that he was a graduate of NYU law school with a finance degree from the University of Penn and had 15 years of experience in law. Well, wow. obviously that's a lie because he's literally like early twenties and he uh, is sentenced to 13 months in prison for wow. lying. 
Never got his license. Nothing. Nothing, girl. But you know what do you expect? And he someone? was under his admin. Carl, who? No, this he lied and said he was another person. So yeah, that's that's fine, right? Well, he got what he deserved. On the topic of, <laughs> okay, um, one thing. So I don't know if you know. I don't know. I'm tired of having conversations about COVID and COVID vaccine, but here we are again. Um, so the governor, Mike Dewayne, Dewine. He is from Ohio, and he announced this. He says he's going to use federal COVID uh, relief dollars to conduct a $1 million lotto drawing for those who have received the vaccine. And um, he also said that he will announce the winner of the drawing of all of those 17 and under who have been vaccinated, and the will winner will receive a full four-year scholarship to the a state school in Ohio. And this will include tuition, room and board, and books. Why what do you they, think about that? Why are they constantly creating these incentives exactly. to just take the vaccine? Exactly. Even if people aren't, as they say, anti-vaxxers or whatever, COVID, like we talked about on episode episodes ago, COVID just happened. This is the trial period. Exactly. Why are you forcing people? And even the people that did get the vaccines, um, some of the people I followed, they would they make like videos and they're saying, oh, after they got the vaccine, the officials are telling them, oh, you should post this. I'll post this and make a little video about it. I guess so they can yeah. like, you know, uh, get other people to take the vaccine as well. And this is just a million dollars in a scholarship for a well, vaccine. I've never gotten a lot in, you know, entered into the lotto for a malaria shot or a hep B shot or what else did I have to take? A tetanus shot? I've, I've never, or a flu shot. I've never been into a lottery for that. So why do I have to be into, why are they doing that for COVID? It's just creating incentives. Make it make sense. I'm confused. What is, what is actually happening? Okay. Only they know. Only they know. Only, only they know. Right? I just feel like that's very suspicious, but that's it just me. Real sense. And for those of you who have it and want to be in that lottery in Ohio, congrats to you. Good luck to you and all that good stuff. On top of COVID, um, Bill Maher, he's, uh, he's a talk show host. He got the vaccine and literally got COVID right after it. The, I'm pretty sure they put that out there saying that if you get the vaccine, you're not immune to COVID. That's you're not like, literally, I can never get COVID. Literally. I just want the shield over me. No, it's put into your system yes. so the antibodies can like make, yes. fake, you know, yeah. to fight it off. So. Uh, and so, right, so we already, as you and I have talked about this before, previously in the episode, that just because you have COVID A for the vaccine doesn't mean you're protected from COVID C, B, C, D, E, whatever. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. on top of that, CDC just released a statement saying that people that are fully vaccinated don't need to wear face masks anymore, indoors or outdoors. I disagree. So, <laughs> y'all, for real, out here, vaxxed and waxed, and now y'all, y'all still gonna catch COVID. And you still going under the thing. Isn't placebo, is it like this placebo effect of them not being fully in, informed of the vaccine? So they think. So I don't think this is a placebo effect. I just think people are delusional. And I think the CDC is very irresponsible for doing that. I would. Did, no. I'm pretty sure the governor in. Yeah. They got rid of the mask mandate. Yeah. Where people are still wearing masks yes. and businesses are still saying like, oh, you We're can't masks. come in here. Private yeah. businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just don't agree with the whole not wearing face masks, even though you have 
a vaccine. Isn't that wild? That was even the thing before the vaccine came out. People exactly. are just like, I just don't want to wear a mask. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm just like, what? That doesn't make sense to me, but go ahead. Okay. Enjoy that. Enjoy no mask. Um, Mississippi, they recently, literally this happened like yesterday, I think. Yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, they overturned a ruling of like having a state medical marijuana program. So in Mississippi, last November when they were doing the elections, 1.3 million people cast ballots regarding this topic. 766,000 people voted to establish this, right? In a six to three ruling, the state's high court held an initiative um, that had literally turned this program down because of a odd flaw in the state's constitutional constitution uh, voter initiative process. So they're saying that they're not gonna accept this ruling. They're not gonna do medical marijuana. They're not gonna, you know. What's how Mississippi law is? Mississippi is backwards. Yes, And that's why they're poor. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other way to say it. Like, and uneducated. Like this mm -hmm. makes no sense. And I bet you it's for like religious reasons and for like crime reasons. They want to keep people, especially minorities, locked up. They want, don't want to give people who need the medical resources the help that they need. They want to make money. You know what? I'm just over it. Make I'm over money. it. I, I'm just over They're it. not going to decriminalize, decriminalize that, it. Wanna, I, I just can't. I bet you there were some incentives and lobbying that was obviously happening. You were about that. In that process. And there's... <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, I can knock this out. So there's two things I want to talk about. Have you heard of Josh Duggar? That sounds... Isn't the quintuplets? No, no, no. no, no. no. So Josh Duggar is a part of the 19 and counting Oh, family. I know you're talking about. I know you're talking From, about. Like, yes, way yes, back yes. when that was on TLC. TLC, yeah. The woman literally popping babies up and right. Yes, right? I know. He had a case against him. Yes, years ago. Yes. yes. So recently, he... <laughs> The feds went to his house. Mm-hmm. They pulled up and they were like, you either come out or we come in. This man has six kids, by the way, and one one baby Bruin. Okay. So seven kids total, basically. And he was arrested on federal charges related to the possession of child pornography, one count um, receipt of child pornography and one count of possession of child pornography. He faces up to 20 years in prison and fines up to $250,000 if he is convicted. Um, but five, six years ago, he was alleged, allegedly, he molested his sisters and some other minors. Mm-hmm. And so he, he didn't get in trouble for that. That I think was what was. That, and that's what got him. the show canceled. And now he's also in the same thing again. He cheated on his wife like while she was pregnant. Like he's just, he's a wreck. He's, he's a reckless hot mess. What was going right. on in that family for all of this to like mess come up? Mess, right? So, um, yeah, so he's, and oh, mind you, I want to say this. He had videos of people that, children, children that are under the age of 12. Guess how old his children are? Under the age of 12? All of his six and seven child that's brewing are under the age of 12. Pictures, videos, all of it. So imagine what he's doing with his kids. What? And his wife is an enabler, by the way. No, she, I'm just going to call her. She like has to know about. Of course she has to know about all of, of this stuff. But yeah, wow. that happened. And lastly, but not least, um, I'm still on the fuck Matt Gates 
train and his account what tax collector associate named Joel Greenberg um, he's he was a former county tax collector in Florida and they were like close I guess his Greenberg um, is going to plead guilty to six federal charges including sex trafficking um, and like other things as well um, however Gates like used like taxpayer dollars like they're all like connected like I said he was like one of his like accountant or whatever Gates used taxpayer dollars for escorts and cocaine and like other illegal activities so if one person is going to jail he's going to jail <laughs> <laughs> you're going to jail <laughs> so that's what's happening so that is hot topics yes you guys got <laughs> Wow. Some of those I was hearing for the first time. So fuck my gates and I hope he burns. <laughs> I, I want him arrested. I want him in prison. It will make me so happy. <laughs> well, guys, you heard it here for heard it here first. Those were the hot topics and we'll be back with the case. See ya. Okay, guys. So we're back and we have two cases to talk about today. Um, all centering the topic fetal abduction. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but just to give you a little background, a little, little definition. Fetal abduction is the kidnapping of a pregnant mother's womb by C-section, also known as cesarean section. And for those that may not know what a cesarean section is, it specifically involves the incision of the pregnant mother and, you know, removing the baby from the womb. So medically, the procedure takes about 45 minutes to an hour. It can be done under anesthesia, through epidural, in the back, you know, numb the nerves. Um, but imagine none of this being done medically or under the care of someone who is maliciously trying to take your womb out of you mm -hmm. with the baby in it. And that's what you will think of when you think of fetal uh, abduction. So the first... The first recorded case of a fetal abduction took place in 1974. Um, I read this article and they highlighted the fact that fetal abductions weren't really talked about back then because the news didn't focus on the topic. And it's kind of, once again, being run to the forefront because of technolo technological advances, social media, um, so, so on and so forth. So it took place in 1974 in Philadelphia in Pennsylvania when Winifred Ransom killed a pregnant mother of three and used a butcher knife to remove the baby girl from the victim's mother's womb. So that's just like giving you a little, you know, brief synopsis of what could happen during a fetal abduction. So the case that, one of the cases that we're presenting today is Karina Roberts or Karina Roberts. So... Miss Corinna Roberts was obsessed with having a baby, so she decided to fake a pregnancy. Decided to fake the pregnancy, have the, what do you call it? Shower. Yeah, the baby shower, all this. Everyone's thinking, oh, Miss Roberts, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. Yay, baby. baby. Yeah. And she told her boyfriend and their families, and they thought she was expecting twins. So Roberts bought baby items and everything and tried to, you know, find a baby because obviously she wasn't really pregnant. 
Um, she posted an ad on Craigslist in an attempt to meet potential mothers. Um, she set up meetings with multiple pregnant women. However, the meetings didn't work out and according to Robert's plan. So basically she was gonna try to find other mothers to be in contact with while she was pregnant herself. Um, I guess to, in a way, bamboozle them into thinking like, you know, oh, let's become friends, we're both pregnant, you know, let's share pregnant secrets. Yeah. And she was really just looking for a baby. Um, so she finally met Heather Snively. Yes, Heather Snively who was eight months pregnant. So Rob, Roberts offered to trade some baby clothes with Snively. And, you know, I guess she, no harm, no foul. Like, okay, we could just trade baby clothes and whatnot. So when Snively arrived at the Roberts home, Roberts beat the pregnant woman with the, with a collapsible police baton. I don't know where she got the baton from, but she beat her and she hit her in the head 15 to 30 times. Snively was knocked unconscious by blows and Roberts used a straight razor, a straight razor to cut open Snively's abdomen and pulled out the baby boy. Roberts covered Snively's body in carpet and hid it in a crawl space beneath her home. Um, she then called her boyfriend and told him she needed help delivering the baby. Basically, you know, trying to fake mm -hmm. that she had this baby herself. He came home and found her in a bathtub crying uncontrollably and still holding the baby boy as if she had just given birth. So the paramedics drove Roberts and the babies to the hospital. The infant was pronounced dead, however, and Roberts initially refused to submit an exam, but the doctors eventually completed it and determined she had not given birth at all. So they're like, oh, okay, what's going on? It's a little suspicious. So the hospital staff called the police and arrested Roberts when they found Snively's body in the crawl space because she literally just put her in a little crawl space. She didn't think ahead to anything that might ha might have happened next. This is a really like quick to the you know point case. So during the trial, the judge asked Roberts if she was pleading guilty because she believed she was guilty and she responded, "I'm taking." Uh, responsibility because I am guilty. So she knew what she did. Mm -hmm. There was so much, what is it? It's not the men's right. Like premeditated. Yeah. yeah, it was premeditated. Like she knew what she was doing. Um, doctors ordered a psychological evaluation and psychologists found no psychosis or any other mental disorders. I'm surprised because how do you want a child that bad and go through the lengths to do this? You know, so okay, I agree. Yeah, I, I completely feel you on that. However, we are so in a culture where everyone has to have babies and families oh, and the pressure, yeah. and it's like, first of all, I don't fuck them kids, like for <laughs> real. But I understand where someone would be like, oh well, we and me and so and so have been together for so many years. Why don't we have kids? And why aren't they here? You know, or even if you really wanted a kid, you couldn't have it. Instead of accepting that, she decided to be a horrible human being and kill this person. Well, yeah, kill them and the baby. I agree, I agree. And during the trial, um, an autopsy, like I said earlier, showed that she hit her more than 30 times in the back of her head. And she also had cuts to the right of her breast and her abdomen and bite marks on her arm. So I guess, so like I said earlier, what a C-section is, they have multiple doctors in the room 
because they can't just be one doctor working on a mother. Like it's a surgery. Yeah, basically a surgery. Some someone's holding this, someone's holding that, someone's you know making sure you get. You guys catch my drift. So <laughs> she was just like, I'm just going slice to open, slice and open it like it was just. What is that uh, kids game that they use? The surgery one. Yes. The, yeah. Oh my god. And then yes. if you drop it, it's like. Mm, yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but you guys know. She thought it was just gonna be easy as like slice open, baby come out. No, it's not. That's wild. Especially if the mother's under so much stress, that could be put stress on the baby, and you know, kill the baby. Again, yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, the medical examiner determined that the head injury is probably knocked snively unconscious, but the incision to her abdomen and the loss of blood was the reason that she died. So as you guys probably know, Robert was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Um, the deceased fiance, bless his heart, of Miss Heather Snively, he made a statement saying, you've taken away my fiance and my son, I don't know what to say to you. So he said, and after the hearing, he said that although he although he wanted Roberts to receive the harshest term possible, he's relieved with the closure that the sentence brings. And Snidley's father also addressed Roberts in court, showing a slideshow of like photos of his daughter in the courtroom. And Snively began narrating at one point, naming other family members close to his firstborn daughter. And he sobbed silently in the courtroom. He also described her as like a loving, caring daughter, as they as she probably was, because that doesn't make any sense why, you know. And that makes but it also makes sense why she would, you know, agree to meet up with, with a stranger. And, you know, she's like, Oh, we could just we can go through this together. Cause you know, when you're pregnant, you know, moms wanna share stuff, yeah. Yeah. So Roberts is still in jail to this day. And I feel like it's probably going to stay like that. Because, yeah. like I said, premeditated. She knew what she was doing. But I have some questions, like, to surround this topic. Her, that story? Yes. Okay, surround yeah. this topic. Oh, that story and the topic. Unless we can. It doesn't matter to me. I'm happy for whatever. So, <laughs> do you think Roberts got a really good sentence? Yeah. Do you think there should have been anything added on to that? Yeah. Think she got a good sentence? Yeah. <laughs> and then the conversation that so many like to have, even though they do not bear mm. wombs or the rights of being a woman. Do you think fetal abduction is being discussed more than abortion? And if it is, so why? If not, you know, why as well? It's not being discussed more than um, abortion. I think in the fetal abduction cases that they're viewing the fetus as a human, like, well, it's human, but, like, as a person and not a fetus mm-hmm. <laughs> or, well, I guess embryo or what have you. So they, they value it more mm-hmm. compared to, like, an abortion conversation where it's, like, a it's the woman's choice what to do with her body. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Obviously, it's not being talked about more. I knew it was a thing, but I haven't heard that many cases about it. Mm-hmm. I just keep constantly hearing... The conversation surrounded around abortion, mm-hmm. the laws tied to it, taking out the some of the laws and maybe, you know, making it illegal, not having the resources for a mother in some states. Like yeah. 
sex education, all of that. So yes, it's definitely not being talked about more. And it's so weird because abortion basically, I'm not going to say it's the same thing as fetal abduction. As you said earlier, you know, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> I guess it's on a case basis because I knew some mothers that actually did try to take out the surgically, how do you say? Like when they have a physician do it, like take the womb from one to another, you can't, you can inject, you know, with the, what am I trying to say? I'm really stumbling. What, what, a uterus surgery or something? No, like no, no, no. What? Like, not artificially, insem artificially inseminating someone yeah. without them knowing. Do you think that can, like, tie into, mm -hmm. no? No. Fetal abduction, not a fetal abduction, but along the lines of. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, I think fetal abduction is not being talked about as much as abortion is. And. But abortion is always this like hard press on argument that it's either the woman's rights or it's the godly right, or it's the men in Congress who are writing the laws and policies rights, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I I hope Mr. Snively is getting the closure that he needs, but this is it's it's kind a of sad up. case. Yeah, it definitely. Is. So on to my case, um, we already discussed um, what you know fetal abduction is, but I do want to give you some characteristics about uh, the fetal abductors. Oh, the abductors, okay. Yeah, so there's a person named Carrie Arquette, and they did a study called, it's called um, Descriptive Study of Patterns in Fetal Abduction. And in their study that they did, 12 of 23 fetal abductors were Caucasian. <laughs> In the study, seven were black, three were Hispanic, and one was Asian. Mm -hmm. The race of all but two abductors were the same as their victim. Yeah, that makes sense because they had to have the same genealogy. Exactly, to get away with it, hopefully, yeah. yeah. And nine of the abductors were married, although not all lived with their spouse at the time of the crime. Some, this may be someone who thinks, oh, if we have a baby, they'll stay. Maybe that's probably a reason. Eight of the abductors had boyfriends or fiancés. Um, the remainder of the abductors were either single or their partner status is on was unknown. Nine of the abductors had biological children already. Um, Thirteen did not. And the information on the others were currently unknown. However, they did have, many of them have criminal records, prior drug use, and had trouble upbringings, whether it was like poverty, you know, crime, etc. So they were involved in those things. And there are some laws regarding fetal homicide. Slightly so, in North Carolina, lawmakers passed a fetal homicide law following the death of Jenna Nielsen, who was eight months pregnant when she was stabbed outside of a convenience store in Raleigh in 2007. Another, in Kentucky, lawmakers passed a fetal homicide law following the death of Veronica uh, Jane Thornsbury and her unborn child. Uh, Thornsbury was in labor and on her way to the hospital and in the car when a truck uh, crashed in the- But that makes so much sense for them to make that law because you just killed someone and you killed another person. Like you're killing two people, what do you think? Yeah, I get that. 
Um, it's more. It's but more of a specific clause. But what? But it's not like I guess it's different from like the convenience store one is kind of messed up. But like if I let's like, say two people were like in a car accident, mm -hmm. how would I know that you're you know one person's pregnant? You know? Yeah. You wouldn't know that. I understand the convenience store because I think I heard another story similar to that one. Yeah. But the car. That's yeah. Whenever vehicle manslaughter, all that, that's a different, you know, and I don't conversation. Think, and I don't think those two should be aligned. Like if I had no idea someone was pregnant, right? Like how, 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 why charge them with homicide or with, you know, manslaughter or something like that doesn't make sense to me, but okay. So yeah. So I'm going to give you another story about fetal fetal abduction. abduction. And this one is a little bit more, um, graphic oh. Oh, no. so uh okay. yeah okay so in this case we are covering the story of tiffany hill and jamella tunstall the two met when they were teen girls in school and were described as qu quiet loners who were inseparable basically like sisters uh tiffany was three years older than Janelle, jamella uh, but they had so many other things in common. They both grew up in like a poverty stricken like area and crime ridden area in St. Louis, uh, Illinois. They both came from broken, broken families. Jamila's parents were divorced um, and they both were teen mothers. So Jamila had her first child at the age of 16. She then had met her boyfriend and had her second child at the age of 21. Her third child at the age of 22, and she was pregnant with her fourth child. So they had children, basically. Jamila had babies, yes she did. Um, and Tiffany, um, by the time Jamila was 23 when this happened, uh, Tiffany had like two kids of her own as well. Um, and they would hang out and babysit each, you know, each other's kids, things like that, very communal. So this is where the story begins. So on September 20, I'm sorry, September 15th in 2006, Tiffany and Jamila were at Tiffany's home, well, mother's home, and the girls were seemingly having a regular night until Tiffany took its table leg and repeatedly hit Jamila on the head to the point of unconsciousness. And then she bound her hands and feet with duct tape. Tiffany then drugged Jamila to the bathtub and while Jamila is, was in the tub, Tiffany took a scissor-like object and cut Jamila's stomach to remove her baby. Due to the lack of medical care, as we previously discussed, Jamila bled to death. So Tiffany had hid Jamila's body in a plastic container in her basement and later she moved her body to the wooded area in the back of her mother's home. Tiffany then created a story and called the police. They met her at a nearby park and she told them that she had given birth to a stillborn child after being sexually assaulted. The cops offered her assistance and wanted to take her to a hospital. But when she arrived, she refused to let the doctors examine her. <laughs> this is something that is very common, right? Yeah. So where, she, again, she refused examination and was giving conflicting accounts of, of why she went into labor, alternatively saying that she either had consensual sex or she was raped. 
So typically when a woman has a stillborn miscarriage or something traumatic happening to her womb while pregnant, the doctors would either deliver the afterbirth, um, they will give like a, surg a surgical evacuation, they will either give her an ultrasound or vitals, just depending on the severity of the case, just to make sure that the mother is fine. That makes sense. Well, <laughs> she refused all of that. And on September 18th, Tiffany visited Jamela's boyfriend and told him that Jamela wanted her to pick up the kids and her car. So they packed the kids in the car and that was the last time he had seen his children. Once the children were at Tiffany's house, she told DeMond, to Jamela's eldest son, who was seven years old at the time, that it was time to take a bath. And she then proceeded to drown him. She then drowned Jamela's two-year-old son, Ivan, and her one-year-old daughter, Janella. On September 21st, the story begins to unravel. So Tiffany and her boyfriend had a funeral for the stillborn baby. Tiffany's boyfriend was in the military and he was on leave to basically confront his partner. Like, you know, you went through a traumatic experience. We had a baby. Um, I want to comfort you. So he didn't even know what was going on. So he, exactly. So he thought, well, Tiffany confessed to him that the baby wasn't his and that she killed Jamela and the baby. And after the confession, he told the police what happened and Tiffany was arrested later on that day. At least he turned her in. At least he turned her in because he knew what she did was wrong. That is messy. That's messy. Um, and since the kids were missing around the time and they haven't heard from them, investigators carried out a search. And then soon after like interrogating Tiffany, she confessed that to where the kids were located. and But she didn't admit that she killed them at the time. So on September 3rd, 23rd, the bodies of the three children were found in a washer and dryer at the apartment where the mother lived. That is so gory. <laughs> and Tiffany remained jailed on a $5 million bond and charged with first degree murder in uh, Jamela's death with the intentional homicide of the unborn child. And so now court is in session. What were they doing? Well, the, they created a jury consisted of a coroner's jury, which is a group summoned um, from a district um, to assist the coroner in determining the cause of one's death. Mm. So James Gomerick, which was Tiffany's attorney, and he basically said that she had been mentally fit to stand trial, but she also had unresolved mental health issues and tested with, with an IQ level that was in the mid-70s. Tiffany pleaded guilty to all five charges that were against her, four counts of murder and one of, like we said, the intentional homicide of the fetus, and was sentenced to spend the rest of her life in prison without parole. After the hearing, Jamila's family said that they were pleased with the way the prosecution had handled the case. They had forgiven her and believed that uh, they were putting justice, you know, in God's hands. So 2020 case update, they are trying to appeal the decision of the courts. Why? Her, All the evidence there. Tiffany's oh. lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany's lawyers um, wanted to appeal. And so this is what they said. They said that Judge Warren accepted that the, 
the defendant's plea of guilty and sentences her to four concurrent life sentences on the first degree murder charges to be served uh, concurrently with a 60 year sentence and an intentional on intentional homicide of the unborn child. Dr. Hillbronner reports said that the defense Tiffany um, had mental prominent mental health history that began when she was a young child and includes like and includes several psychiatric hospitalizations. They also said that um, she had serious problems in the psychiatric domain, including two psychiatric hospitalizations for suicidal ideations. And also a post-plea psychiatric evaluation um, at the Dwight Correctional Center um, said that she had the following diagnoses, a psychotic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, schizophrenia, mood disorder, and bipolar disorder, um, with a mild mental retardation. So the next thing they also said in her court case that the state filed a motion, a motion to dismiss any post-conviction counsel's amended, uh, amended petition contending that one, the insanity defense is inconsistent with the actual innocence claim and therefore the former uh, claim must be limited to the case and that the defendant did not allege her guilty plea was coerced or involuntary. So they dismissed the okay. appeal. I was about to say. I was just about to say. So what do you think about that? The whole case in itself or yeah. the appeal? The fact that she tried to... With someone she grew up with. I don't even understand. I wish yeah. that... You can't even get the other side of the story because the person's deceased, but I wish... There was like, uh, what snapped? Like, what happened that night? Like, why just, you know, randomly try to beat your friend that you grew up with unconscious and then take her baby? Like, it's just, I don't know. When you're two kids of your own. And the crazy thing about it, too, was that after she did that, she, again, like, she has kids herself. She went about her life like nothing happened. She just took her kids to school, fed them dinner, put them to bed. Nothing happened. Again, with the case we did earlier... Which one? I can't remember which one, but it was like, it was along the lines of the guy with, I digress. Kaiser? Yes, that one. Randall. When they, the police came and apprehended him and he was in jail mm -hmm. and then just let him go. It was the same with her. It was like, they knew it was some foul place, still birth, you were raped, you were sexually assaulted. Wait, what? And they didn't think to, you know, Look a, yeah, look a little bit into that. She gets out and she kills the remaining children. I think that it's based on like <laughs> most cops are males, right? Mm -hmm. So if a guy sees you with a bloody kid and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, what, what is going on? <laughs> okay, uh, do you need help? You need what, what are we going to do with that? Like, how, how are we going to fix that? So they weren't thinking about anything think... else other than. Yeah, I think suspicion comes when you went to the hospital and you don't want to anything like if you just had a baby you have to have the afterbirth like you like you, you need to do stuff that in you your have room to you got the yeah medical cord the placenta the like the, the all the embryonic fluid like you got to get all of that stuff out of your body so that is very suspicious and then she had didn't she have children before did she have a natural birth did she have a c-section mm, because you can't just get a natural birth right after having a c-section the children i digress this case was crazy. <laughs> this case was crazy. But 
I'm glad that we're talking about fetal abduction. So it brings more awareness and people are more, you know, informative when it comes to it. But that, that, ooh, that was a mess. That was a whole mess. (laughs) It was a mess. A whole mess. And so that was our little episode of in honors of mothers and Mother's Day and all that stuff. Yes. So. So we will see you guys next time. But the song of the week this week is by, you know, one of our faves she, <laughs> she dropped a mixtape uh i think not too long ago last night yes Wait, and yeah there's a couple new songs on it um but the song of the week is seeing green by Nicki minaj featuring lil wayne and drake and you can also if you liked our podcast find it on anchor google Podcasts, breaker apple podcast pocket cast radio republic and spotify And also, if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, you guys can follow us on Instagram at legal underscore ESE, legalese. So thank you guys for listening. Bye. Thank you, guys.